book four chapter fourteen of the heavenly twins this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox the heavenly twins by sarah grand book four chapter fourteen the next night the boy appeared again in his white boating suit with his sandy hair tumbled more than usual his restless eyes sparkled and glanced and there was a glow beneath his clear skin which answered in his to a heightened colour in other complexions he was evidently excited about something and the tenor thought he had never seen him look so well what his mood was did not become immediately apparent the tenor had learnt that the sparkle in his eyes either meant some mischievous design or a strong desire to make music but this evening he was long in coming to the point he began by pelting the tenor with roses through the window and then he entered and danced an impromptu breakdown in the middle of the room but these preliminaries might have been an introduction to anything and it seemed as if his programme were not complete for he next subsided into his accustomed seat on the sofa up against the wall opposite the fireplace and remained there with his hands in his pockets looking at the tenor thoughtfully for at least ten minutes the tenor was also in his accustomed seat beside the hearth or rather beside the stand of growing flowers and ferns that hid the hearth with a book on his knee he was sitting there when the first rose whizzed in out of the silence and solitude of night without warning upon him announcing the arrival of the boy it startled him somewhat but he did not wince from the shower that followed nor did he move when the boy chose to show himself but merely smiled and closed his book and then sat watching the next part of the proceedings with the gravity of an eastern potentate he sat so now looking up at the great cathedral seen dimly through the open window towering above them his profile turned to the boy and the roses all about him on the floor on the back of his chair one on his shoulder another on his book and one he held in his hand there were dozens of them of every hue from that deep crimson damask which is almost black to the purest white fresh gathered from the trees apparently with the dew still glistening on their perfumed petals and on the polished surface of the leaves the tenor becoming conscious of the gloire de dijon he held in his hand looked into its creamy depth with quiet eyes the beauty of the flower was a pleasure to him though for the matter of that everything was a pleasure to him now he had no words to tell it but his face was irradiated by the gladness of the hope which he cherished from morning till night the boy had been watching him admiringly you will be one of the beauties when you come out dear israfil he said they will photograph you and put you into the shop windows cabinet size two and sixpence sounds rather vulgar though doesn't it savours of desecration to my mind but israfil you will certainly be the rage one so seldom sees a good-looking man good-looking women are common enough and they make themselves still commoner nowadays which remark coming from such a quarter amused the tenor whereupon the boy became irate 
oh dear away he exclaimed but when you know angelica as well as i do you will respect my knowledge of this subject but here the tenor threw back his head and groaned aloud boy i protest he exclaimed i can endure your garrulousness but i do bar your cynicism if you can't be agreeable be still you're in a horrid bad temper and so saying the tenor rose in his languid way got a little table which he placed beside his chair spread out his pipes upon it and began to clean them with crow's quills the boy watching the operation the while with cheerful intentness pipes and tobacco and roses he said at last what a mixture it sounds but it doesn't look bad dear israfil he added encouragingly the tenor made no remark his pipe seemed to be all engrossing he had just filled the bowl of one with a number of few sea heads cut off short and now he popped in a light and corked them up there was a tiny explosion on the instant followed by a rush of smoke through the shank of the pipe which swept it clean and added musk and gunpowder to the already heavy odour of roses that filled the room the boy still lolling on the sofa observing the tenor's proceedings with interest drew up one leg clasping his hands round it below the knee and began to sing to himself in a monotonous undertone as was his wont by the by the tenor said like one who suddenly remembers i found some verses after you were here the other night and he straightened himself to feel in his pockets i suppose you dropped them here they are and then he leant back in his chair again and read aloud when the winter storms were howling o'er the ocean leafless trees and sombre landscape cold and drear bitter winds and driving rains or white commotion of the whirling snow that drifted far and near then my heart which had been strong was bowed and broken i was crushed with sudden sense of loss and fear dull as silence passed the days and brought no token of a light to make the darkness disappear would the grief that wrecked my life for ever hold me soon or later winter storms their ravage cease with the coming of the green leaves something told me with the coming of the green leaves there is peace when the bursting buds proclaim the spring-time nearing song of birds and scent of flowers everywhere drowsy drone of distant workers and the cheering hum of honey-seeking bees in all the air then my sorrow took swift wings and rose and left me and i knew no more the aching of despair came again to me the joy that seemed bereft me and for hope i changed the dreary weight of care with the winter tempest passed the storms of feeling soon and surely did their power to pain me cease and the sunshine lighted summer rose revealing with the coming of the green leaves there is peace the tenor looked at the boy when he had finished shook his head mournfully struck a match set fire to the paper upon which the verses were written and watched it burn with the air of a disappointed man don't make any more rhymes boy he said don't write any more at least until you get out of the sickly sentimental stage i thought i was prepared for the worst but i really never imagined anything quite so bad as that the boy although he had listened to the lines with a fine affectation of enjoyment was in no way discomposed by the tenor's adverse criticism 
he seemed on the contrary to enjoy that too for he chuckled and hugged himself ecstatically before he replied i should like to know he said with his uncanny grin how you found out those lines were mine for i certainly never told you that i wrote them the tenor's mind misgave him didn't you he said looking at the ashes the boy threw himself back on the sofa they were angelica's he said with a shout of laughter and now you look as if you would like to have them back again it will take you months to get over that the tenor was certainly disconcerted but he merely resumed his pipe folded his hands and looked up at the cathedral he had been blessed all his life with the precious gift of silence outside the night was very still there was a fitful little breeze which rustled the leaves and made the creepers tap on the window-panes but beyond this there was no sound no sign of life or movement nothing to remind them of the whole city full so close at hand the tenor lay back in his chair looking somewhat dispirited the boy got up and began to wander about the room a long pause followed which was broken by the chime i've been trying to say something all the evening and now that beastly chime has gone and made it impossible the boy exclaimed as soon as he could hear himself speak i hate it i loathe it it is cruel as eternal damnation it is condemnation without appeal it is a judgment which acknowledges none of the excuses we make for ourselves i wish they would change it i wish they would make it say lord have mercy christ have mercy upon us the tenor put down his pipe rose slowly and went upstairs in a few minutes he returned in flannels you want exercise boy he said you must come out it is a lovely night for the river and i have been shut up in the clothes all day the boy sprang to his feet yes yes he exclaimed with animation let us go and i'll bring my violin where's my hat you came without one to-night or perhaps you hung it on the palings no i didn't the boy replied i must have forgotten it altogether but it doesn't matter i'd rather be without one i always take it off when i can so i have seen said the tenor following him out as he walked through the close still a little behind the boy he could not help noticing by no means for the first time but more particularly than usual what a graceful creature the latter was his slender figure showed to advantage in the light flannels they made him look broader and more manly while leaving room for the free play of limb and muscle he had knotted a crimson silk scarf round his neck sailor fashion and twisted a voluminous cummerbund of the same round his waist carelessly so that one heavily fringed end of it came loose and now hung down to his knee swaying with his body as he moved the tenor remembered that his socks were also of crimson silk a detail which had caught his eye as the boy lolled on the sofa it was evident that the costume had cost him a thought and if somewhat theatrical it was certainly picturesque and entirely characteristic in one respect the boy's art was perfect although he was quite conscious of his good looks he never had the air of being so every movement was natural and spontaneous like the movements of a wild creature and as agile he seemed to rejoice in his own strength to delight in his own suppleness and he walked on now with healthy elastic step his violin held to his shoulder his clear-cut cheek leant down to it lovingly his luxuriant light hair all tumbled and tossed while he kept time to an imaginary tune with the bow in his right hand 
now flourishing it in the air and now drawing it across the instrument scarcely seeming to touch the strings yet waking low aeolian harp-like murmurs or deep thrilling tones or bright melodious cadences making it respond to his touch like a living creature and glancing back over his shoulder at the tenor as they proceeded with a joyous face as if sure of his sympathy but anxious to see if he had it all the same i feel more amiable now he said between cadence and cadence kindly consider that i have cancelled all my former misstatements cynicism can't exist in a healthy sensorium with sounds like these and he executed a magnificent crescendo passage on his violin when i want to play i feel that i must prepare myself making music is a religious rite to me which can only be performed by one in perfect charity with all men they were seated in the boat by this time the tenor at the oars row brothers row the boy played and steer yourself he said i can do nothing but accompany you and then he began in earnest while the tenor made the boat fly past river bank and towing path and house and wharf past bridge and tower and town it seemed but a flash and they were out in the open country flat meadows on the left and on their right the green and swelling upland dotted with slumbrous cattle and sheep and shadowy with the heavy summer foliage of old trees the tenor stopped there exhausted there is madness in your music boy he said it puts me beside myself the boy laughed but in the pause that followed he shivered a little and laid aside his instrument it was not such a very fine night on the river as it had appeared to be in the close the moon would rise later but at present there was no sign of her and the sky though cloudless was not clear the colour being that misty opaque grey which hangs low at the horizon on summer nights when the light never wholly departs and is accompanied by a close and sultry atmosphere surcharged with electricity the harbinger of storms it was so that night there were no stars to relieve the murky heaviness nor was it dark a sort of twilight reigned as comfortless as tepid water and there was no breeze now to rustle the leaves into life all seemed ghostly still save for the muffled rush of the river and the melancholy howling of a dog at some farm out of sight and even the river was not its usual merry self but a sullen heavy body that slipped by stealthily making haste to the sea as if anxious to be away from the spot without a ripple to break its level surface and without the musical lop and gurgle and murmur with which it danced along at brighter times in spite of the heat or perhaps because of it the air was full of moisture and while the tenor rested a dead white mist began to appear above the low-lying meadows it rose thinly a mere film at first which coming suddenly would have made a man brush his hand over his eyes mistaking the haze for some defect of vision but gathering and gaining body rapidly and rising a certain height clear from the ground then seeming to hover a thick cloud poised between earth and sky not touching either but drawn horizontally over the fields like a pall with ragged edges through which the trees showed in blurred outline their leaves dripping miserably with an intermittent patter of uncertain drops as the moisture collected upon them and fell and then collected again the fog was stationary for a time and did not extend beyond the meadows but 
it rose at intervals though the clearance was only momentary and had scarcely become perceptible before reinforcements of dull white vapour tainted with miasma rolled up from the marshy ground bringing dank odours of standing water and weedy vegetation half decayed and gradually encroaching on the river the smooth surface of which glowed with a greasy gleam beneath it making it look like a river of oil let us go back said the boy my soul is sick with apprehension and the damp will ruin my violin i thought it was making you feel as if something were going to happen the tenor observed as he got the boat round the boy ruffled his flaxen hair and laughed uneasily get away quick he said if the elements do sympathize with man there'll be a tragedy here before morning the tenor pulled on steadily and in silence for some distance but once out of sight of the mist and the meadows the boy's ever-varying spirits rose again he took up his violin and drew soft sounds from it which seemed to float away far out into the night sing something he said at last playing the prelude to the most love-sweet song ever written i rise from dreams of thee the tenor sang like one inspired the boy uttered a deep sigh when he had finished he was speechless with pleasure but the tenor went on he sang of the sun and the sea gliding from one string to another and unconsciously keeping time to the measure as he rode now making the little boat leap forward with a fine impulse now almost resting on his oars till their progress through the water was scarcely perceptible and now stopping altogether while he lingered on a closing cadence looking up people who chanced to wake as the windings of the river brought the singer past their homes that night sat up in their beds and wondered the music made them think of old tales of weird enchantment in which strains incomprehensibly sweet and thrilling like these coming from nobody could tell where had played a part and one poor creature who had long been dying in lingering pain thought heaven had opened for her and smiling passed happily away it would have been no great stretch of the imagination to have supposed that nature did sympathize with man in his moods just then for gradually as if to the music the murky clouds had parted like a curtain at a given signal and rolled away leaving the vault of night high and bare and blue above them with here and there a diamond star or two sparsely sprinkled from horizon to zenith radiant at first but presently paling before a slender shaft of light that shot up in the east and then opening fan-like was quickly followed by the great golden rim of the moon herself she rose from behind a hill crested with fir-trees which appeared for a moment as if photographed on her disc and then mounting rapidly hung suspended in a clear indigo sky above the quiet woods the river and the little boat which was motionless now an ideal moon in an ideal world with ideal music to greet her but the boy dropped the violin on his knee and forgot to play as he watched this beautiful transformation scene and the tenor's song sank to a murmur while he also gazed and waited dipping his oars to keep the boat in midstream mechanically joy and sadness are near akin in music they are like pleasure and happiness the one is the surface of feeling the other its depth and there is solemnity in every phase of absolute beauty which cannot fail to influence such natures as the tenor's and the boy's it was the tenor though that felt this moment most 
his nature if not deeper was more devout than the boy's pleasure with him was a veritable uplifting of the spirit in praise and thankfulness and all the peace and quietness about them the marvellous light on hill and wood and vale and even the nearness of the unseen city which he felt without perceiving it and from which there came to him that sense of fellowship and of the sacredness of human life in which all the best qualities of man are rooted these together sanctified the time although for the matter of that to such a nature all times and seasons are sanctified for if ever a man's soul was purified on earth his was and if ever a man deserved to see heaven he did humanly speaking there was no stain on him in thought word and deed he was immaculate and true as a little child this moment was therefore peculiarly his own a moment of deep happiness which found expression as all pleasurable emotion did with him in music he lifted up his voice that wonderful voice which had no equal then upon earth and sang as he had sung once before on that very spot when the first vague idea of the omnipresent majesty of a god possessed him sang with all his heart and it was the litany of the blessed virgin the one he had heard in france in days gone by the one he had been singing when first he met the boy which recurred to him now why or wherefore it would be hard to say he had not thought of it since but perhaps the moon which was shining again as it had shone that night on the old market-place had helped to recall it or perhaps it satisfied him with a sense of appropriateness for it was not a dismal monotonous product of mercenary dryness to which the words were set but the characteristic music of devotion by which the spirit of prayer is made audible when words fail as they always do to express it in all its force and fervour the boy listened a while with parted lips it was a new experience for him and he was deeply moved then his musical instinct awoke and presently he took up the strain voice and violin accompanying the tenor who rode on once more while the river banks resounded with Christe audi nos Christe exaudi nos and re-echoed miserere nobis at one point as they approached a lady appeared suddenly and stood with her hands clasped to her breast looking and listening she was a tall and graceful woman wrapped in a long cloak and bareheaded as if she had stepped out from somewhere just for the moment she evidently recognized the singer and the boy would have recognized the beautiful face strong in its calm sad serenity and compassionate had he looked that way but he did not look that way and they swept on the music growing fainter and fainter in the distance till at last the boat was out of sight yet even then a few high notes continued to float back but these in turn quivered into silence and all was still only for a moment though for the clocks had struck unheeded and now the chime rang out through the sultry air voice-like clear and resonant the lady listened looking up as if the message were for her but sighed it will come right i know she said as she turned away but lord how long end of book four chapter fourteen